Business Hour with Oliver Feng on OFM. If you hold beneficial ownership in relation to a company, you should already be aware of the new beneficial ownership register functionality now on the CIPC, Companies and Intellectual Property Commission's e-services platform. What you may not, however, be aware of is that the South African Revenue Service has aligned with this functionality, introducing system changes effective from 23 June 2023. To tell us more is Joshua Baiju. He's the Head of Strategic Engagement and Compliance at Tax Consulting SA. Thank you again, Joshua, for joining us on the OFM Business Hour. I think a few weeks ago we did, you know, delve into the beneficial ownership register that exists on the company's and Intellectual Property Commission's platform. But you perhaps uh, mind providing us with a refresher for those that may have missed out on that conversation. What is this beneficial ownership register? Let's start with on the CIPC platform. So your beneficial ownership register is in essence a declaration that is found now on the CIPC e-services platform. And ultimately how it works is you know, you log into the platform, you've got a number of icons, and your beneficial ownership is the very last one. You know, being the most recent, was only introduced in April. Okay. And you then select that. All right, so once you've selected your beneficial ownership, you then need to agree to the declaration that your disclosure is true and honest, etc. And you go on to select the type of application. And you can also, at that stage, view any in progress or completed application. Right, if you go, you search your company name, either using the registration number or the enterprise details, and you proceed to look at the auto code information. Right, so first you make sure it's, it's correct. And right, sounds very much like a tax return, right? Yeah. Right, once you've ensured everything is correct, your auto code page is completed, you check everything is in order, and you go to your owner listing page, you say select new. Now, I think at this juncture, it's very important to, to actually note what is beneficial ownership, right? Who qualifies as a beneficial owner? If we look at it at, at a bit of a high level you know, from the basics, what it ultimately means is any person who in relation to a company who either ultimately owns that company, so a direct shareholder, right, or is able to exercise effective control of that company is a beneficial owner. Now, when we say exercise effective control of the company, let's say there is a group of companies and you hold 51% in the ultimate holding company. That holding company holds 100% of subsidiary A. Because of that relationship, you are still considered the beneficial owner in company A, in subsidiary A, because you have the ability to exercise effective control over that company. Going further, if we look at just a few examples, it would be a person that holds a beneficial interest in shares of the company. So that would be your holding company. You hold 51% of beneficial interest in shares. Is able to exercise voting rights and direct changes? Yes, by virtue of your shares. But remember, there's there's a difference in classes of shares. You get shares that come with voting and participatory rights, and you get classes of shares that do not come with voting and participatory rights. And then you've got something that's, that's a little bit more indirect, and that is if a person is able to control the voting and company decisions or directed changes. Now, remember, the difference between exercise and control. If you can exercise a voting right, you have more direct control. But if you can control the voting, as in the example I gave you, it is a holding company at the top and a wholly owned subsidiary below it, you then have control over that 
but indirectly through another entity. And then we have a bit of a broader category, which is someone who holds the power to materially influence, either directly or through a chain of control, the management of a company, legal entity, body of persons, partnership, or any other person acting under the provisions of a trust agreement. And that is obviously where you have a trust. And, you know, lots of wealthy individuals like to use the offshore trust option. But even though your trust is situated offshore, you are still the beneficial owner of it. I wonder how much of a role did our grey listing contribute to the establishment of this register, or was it always in the pipeline? Our grey listing is very recent, but Mm -hmm. if you go back to the budget review and budget speeches in 2020, it was already then indicated that a strengthening of tax treatment is needed in South Africa. That's predated our grey listing itself. But even at that stage, there were remedial measures being put in place to prevent blacklisting. Remember, the the Financial Task Force gave the South African government a number of objectives. And if not mistaken, I think it was about 67, 68, somewhere around there. Now, the majority of those objectives were achieved, but there were eight or nine still outstanding. And that is how we landed on grey listing. If we look at all of the measures implemented in the last Three months. Let's just look at three months. We have the increased verification process on VAT registrations. We have the now streamlined process called Approval International Transfer for the offshoring of funds for non-resident for any amount and for a South African tax resident, any amount exceeding their annual single discretionary allowance of a million rand. And now we have this beneficial ownership register, which, yes, CIPC did first. And, you know, when people think about CIPC, they always think it's it's more administrative than anything else. But what adds weight to this is the fact that on mid to end June, SARS said, yes, we're also doing this. You now have to declare your beneficial ownership with SARS. And that's taken the form of additional containers Mm -hmm. being added to the ITR 14 declaration, which is the annual return for companies. And you declare that in each and every beneficial owner holding more than 5%. Remember, with the ITR 14, the company income tax returns, it's not regulated specifically by tax season, but it is regulated in such a way that it must be filed within 12 months of the end of that specific company's financial year. Okay, noted. Now, over and above that, they are provisional tax returns that a company must submit to SARS, and those are done on a biannual basis. Right? So it's usually at the six-month marker and just before the annual is filed. So what this means practically is that ITR 14 declaration on shareholding is more a case of, okay, it must be readily accessible, one, and two, it must be wholly transparent. If you start putting the pieces together, it's almost as though SARS is designing a compliance roadmap because in a hypothetical scenario, you and I hold shares in a company. That ITR 14 declaration confirms that you hold 50%, I hold 50%. We are the beneficial owners. But is that what the beneficial ownership register says on CIPC? Right, there's your first check. Okay, now when you and I filed our tax return, did we declare our interest in this company as we hold 50% of shares each? So let's say 50 shares for you, 50 shares for me, total authorized share capital of 100 shares. Did we declare that? Okay, yes, we declared it. Right. Are the annual financials submitted with the company return accurate? What's the share value? Okay. Did we receive dividend? Right. Let's look at the ITR 14. Let's look at the annual financials for the company. Okay. So these are your two shareholders. According to the company return, 
dividends were distributed according to their individual tax returns. No dividends were declared as received. So it's really a case of cross-referencing because if you think about you know, the automatic exchange of information that SARS, as an example, has in place with a number of foreign jurisdictions as well as South African organizations such as the CIPC, such as the Financial Intelligence Center, chances are they already know and they are keeping an eye out for full disclosure and compliance. And where that's not followed, they've already got the ammunition to pursue non-compliance. Are we set to see more regulatory interventions or developments in the coming future that are very much in line with beneficial ownership? Or is that it? Oh, no. I would say there's going to be development. And it's like any new initiative or any new compliance drive where it's implemented and is tweaked over time. And we've already seen it with other processes such as the VAT registration because when it was implemented, the focus was be more stringent on registration to avoid any VAT refund fraud. But ultimately where the fraud comes in is not the registration. It comes in once the invoice is submitted and the refund is claimed. So that tweaking and where that level of stringency must fall does happen gradually over time. And I do foresee that. The same thing will happen with this new beneficial ownership requirement. It will either be cast more broadly or the process will be streamlined or certain disclosures will become more stringent while other disclosures would automatically red flag and result in a verification. That's just how the compliance regulations have to evolve over time. This is the IFM Business Hour and I'm speaking to Joshwin Baijiu from Tax Consulting SA. Does this also change the shelf company buying game a little bit? Does it have an impact on it in any way? To an extent, because remember, even with the shelf company, there has to be an owner. That owner usually holds a couple of these companies, sells them off as and when needed. It can't just be a case of some silent partner sitting there in the background and holding all these companies. They've now got to declare their ownership. That is something completely new. Because as you know, historically, shelf companies have been used for all sorts of complex, evasive, or avoidance-related structures. And that is the aim, to get away from that, to ensure there is compliance and eradicate that kind of item. How are some of these changes being met by the businesses you've engaged with or certainly by some of the legal practitioners? From our side, I mean, I think we've got about 19,500 clients in our practitioner profile, and they are all fully compliant. But that is... Not a case of they just came to us compliant. It's a case of they follow the advice of a tax or legal professional at every step of their financial dealings, whether it's business-related, personal-related, wherever that marker falls. But where the clients, you know, where they've already made up their mind that I don't care, I don't care about compliance, I just want to pay as little tax as possible, then that's not the kind of client that, well, I know that's not the kind of client we would want. And ultimately, that's not the kind of client any practitioner or attorney should want, because what you want is a client that willingly wants to abide by the regulations and follow the letter of the law to ensure compliance, historic, current, and future, or they will end up facing ramifications from either a SARS or a CIPC where they're disqualified from registering as a director for any future company, any current companies, or even worse, when FIC get involved and suddenly a full-on investigation is happening into someone's wealth and how they accrued it and was this correct going back 10, 15 years. That's the last thing you want. So 
advice is always to existing clients, to new clients, you know, compliance is first prize. Yes, the IPC is administratively painful. I do not disagree. But at the same time, where you're uncertain of your compliance status, your company's compliance status, the most prudent approach is to always approach a corporate tax attorney, someone who specializes in this kind of thing, day in and day out. I think that's a great closing remark, but I forgot to also note that there is a deadline for the declaration of beneficial ownership. Can you tell us more about the exact date? Correct. So that's that deadline on the CIPC side is October 2023. And on the SAR side, it is with the filing of your next ITR 14 for a company. The Business Hour with Oliver Feng on OFM.